0: Good morning family. Sorry, I'm slightly taller than Luella. <laughs> slightly. All right, we are doing a Bible reading from Psalm 31. It's the whole psalm, so stick with me. Um, it'll either be there or on page 865 of the Pew Bibles. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue, be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit, deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols, as for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbours and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become broken like pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, You are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and the silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you that you bestow in the sight of all, on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help love the lord all his faithful people the lord perseveres and preserves those who are true to him but the proud he pays back in full be strong and take heart all you who hope in the lord
1: good morning everyone um my name's jack if i haven't met you before i'm one of the pastors here our senior pastor carl is away uh, with the fam on a holiday Uh, But so great to be able to open up this psalm together this morning, Psalm 31. Um, Let me lead us in prayer as we we sit under God's word together. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are as our creator God. We praise you for who you are as a God who is not distant from us. We praise you as a God who speaks to us. Thank you for time now to sit under your word as we look through Psalm 31. I pray that you'd be at work in our hearts by your spirit Shaping and changing us a little bit more into the image of your Son, convicting us of our great need for you, and helping us respond to your grace for who you are as our God and our refuge. Amen. Um, well, do, do you remember as a child, like building a fortress out of cushions and pillows or furniture, to put your hand up if you did that? The child, lots of people, or you'd be outside, you'd build like a fortress or, you know, a, some sort of refuge out of any sticks or leftover kind of building material, anything like that. Uh, and just how your imagination would kind of run wild, right? You'd, you'd flee into your fortress to escape from monsters, from villains. Uh, you'd hatch some, some pretty daring schemes, right, to, de- to defeat some evil overlord, maybe save a city from a dragon. Maybe that's just me. Anyone else save any cities from dragons? Got at least one. That's good. That's good. Uh, I used to dress up as Batman as well when, when I was a child and still do some, sometimes. No, mostly when I was a child. I, um, and I had a tent that dad had set up in the backyard for me to use as my kind of my bat cave, my secret headquarters, my, my fortress. And I would duck into this tent made bat cave as, as a normal everyday boy, maybe not quite Bruce Wayne, uh, but I'd, I'd emerge as a hero, right? When I needed a quick escape as well, I would run into the tent so that the bad guys couldn't catch me. And I used to love doing it. But my brother, he also loved using his imagination and playing in the backyard. He was a bit more of a Robin Hood fan, though. He loved bows and arrows. Uh, so Dad helped my brother as well use his imagination. He made him a makeshift wooden bow and gave him one steel-tipped arrow that he could actually shoot and that would stick into a tree in the backyard. Um, and, and one day, I'd been chased by villains into my bat cave and I was hiding out. My place of refuge where I was safe. And that same day, that very same day, my brother was fighting bad guys in the backyard with his bow and arrow. Uh, well, bow and arrow meet flimsy cheap nylon tent. There I was in my back cave, really nice and safe, when all of a sudden, any sense of refuge was shattered as this arrow just shot straight through the wall of my tent right near me uh, and just kind of flew through. And, and I was kind of this, this sense of refuge and safety and, and me being Batman, it was all shattered. It's like, man, what are we doing? A place of refuge defeated. Well, In the psalm today, it seems as though King David is very much at the risk of facing a real bow and a real arrow. He faces conspirators on on every side, who we read in verse 13, uh, plot against him. Uh, For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. Uh, King David's in anguish. In verse 9, he says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of affliction and my bones grow weak. There's someone in need of of a true fortress, of a real refuge. It's King David in this psalm, isn't it? Because of his enemies, he says, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street Flee from me, I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery. See, David in this psalm, he is completely abandoned. His life is at risk because of those plotting against him. He's physically ill because of the anguish that he's feeling. He is alone and he's in deep suffering. Yet, time and time again in this psalm, we read, don't we, of the refuge that David flees to. From the very first verse, he says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. And then in verse 14, after this massive list of of grief and suffering, all that he's going through, David says, But I trust in you, Lord. See, David's great hope and his faith rests in the promise-keeping God of Israel, in our God, where our hope, where our faith rests too. See, King David's faith and his suffering and affliction in this psalm, it points us toward... Uh, the great king of Psalm 31, Jesus, who on the cross uttered those very same words as David in Psalm 31, verse 5. I wonder if you picked that up. For his uh, dying breath, we read in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. King David's faith, his suffering, his affliction point us towards the true king, the great king of the Psalms, Jesus. But just as this psalm points us to the suffering and affliction and the death of our king, well, we are led to the proclamation of a king who death could not hold. A king who lives and who exhorts us here today to live out the words of verses 23 and 24. Love the Lord. All his faithful people, the Lord preserves those who were true to him. But the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. See, from start to finish, no matter what he's going through, in Psalm 31, King David makes one thing clear. It's that we can trust in a promise-keeping God always. If you've got an outline, that's point one, trusting in the promise-keeping gods. In verse 1 to 8, we read that David's refuge, his place of safety, it's God. And when David thinks about the trials that lie ahead of him, when he thinks about what he's going through, he thinks about how his promise-keeping God has already delivered him in the past. See, David and God had a really special relationship. It's the relationship that only the king of Israel could actually have with God. You might remember Psalm chapter 2, how we read of this anointed king who God had placed on the throne of Israel. In Psalm 2, verse 4 to 6, we read that after the nations conspire against God's king and try to get rid of him, well, we read that the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger. He terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. See, God sets his king on his throne, and it's not up to the enemies of the king or the enemies of God to decide who will sit there. It's up to God, and no one can remove his king. And so with this in mind, and with his past deliverance in mind, knowing the relationship that he has with the promise-keeping gods, David says, "'In you, Lord, I have taken refuge.'" And in the face of death, David knows where his refuge lay. And as we read those words, our minds are cast forward, aren't they? To where our King Jesus hung dying on a cross. When Jesus, the true King of the Psalms and God's anointed King was on the cross, these are the words that were on his lips. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Uh, Who else could you say that to? What else could offer the kind of refuge where you would willingly hand your life, willingly hand your, your whole eternity over to it? For David, saying that to anything else would be just as effective as hiding in a little nylon tent that I had set up in my backyard. Um, to trust in, in money with with my eternity, as good a thing as, as having wealth is that God has, has blessed us with, to trust in money with my life or with my eternity. It's ridiculous, isn't it? To trust in in the community and good opinion of people, a really great thing. To trust in that with my eternity, it's ridiculous. To trust in the house and material wealth that I've accumulated with my eternity, it will all just crumble. It's ridiculous. See, David holds up the promise-keeping God of the whole entire universe, he holds it up next to everything else, next to worthless idols. And he says, as for me, I trust in the Lord. He says, I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Well, Jesus at the start of Luke's gospel is is tested, tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Satan seeks to tempt Jesus with power, uh, with showing that Jesus doesn't need to do his Father's will. Jesus can just do what he wants, doesn't have to follow the path that is laid before him. Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, all that wealth, all that power, And he says to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Satan tried to tempt Jesus over and over again, but Jesus never gave in. The only human to never give in to that sin, to rejecting God. To cling to, to anything, to anyone else, is useless. And Jesus shows us this, even as he goes to the cross to die. And back in the psalm, David says, Well, I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction. You knew the anguish of my soul. See, in David's great suffering, God was not blind, and nor is God blind to us. And in verse 8, we read of God, not only seeing and knowing and understanding, the deep anguish of David, but of acting to deliver him. See, David is a king who knows that he can trust in the promise keeping God, even in the midst of his suffering. God is his refuge. It's in the midst of his suffering, the middle of what he's going through, that David declares his trust in his God. That's point two. David says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten as though I were dead. I've become like broken pottery, I hear many whispering terror on every side they conspire against me they plot to take my life see God's chosen king is in the fight of his life surrounded by people who seek to end him physically ill at the anguish he feels forgotten and deserted by his friends the utter contempt of his neighbors now it's an experience that none of us can really relate to is it being a king having our enemies surround us and, and all of our friends deserting us, being plotted, being conspired against. I mean, that's, that's the experience of a king in this psalm. Um. But for those Israelites who followed King David, as their king experienced suffering, experienced this grief, well, they would feel the overflow of that suffering. What their king experienced and went through, they would share in. If David was victorious in battle, it meant the Israelites were victorious. If he was defeated, it meant the Israelites were defeated. And as David turned to his one great refuge, the Israelites who follow King David would have been turned to their one great refuge. And it's the same for us as we follow Jesus, the true king of the Psalms, God's anointed and promised king. King who experienced more suffering than we will ever comprehend, who was gone before us in our own trials and suffering, a king who was sympathetic to our hardships and to our tears, a king who was beaten and mocked and deserted by his friends, who was unjustly tried by a coward and hung upon a cross to die, yet despite this, he never ceased in trusting his father willingly went to the cross knowing that he would die and with his dying breath said father into your hands i commit my spirit so much did our king trust in the will of the promise keeping god he could trust in even in the midst of suffering in verse 14 we read in the midst of all of this that is going through but i trust in you lord i say you are my god my times are in your hands Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Point three, my times are in your hands. Now, when you cast your mind to the future, to, to all of eternity, well, whose hands do you want your eternity to be in? Now, my nieces, when they were younger, and still to a degree they do this today, they like to be able to help out. They want to be able to pick up and carry things, to, to do that for themselves and occasionally uh, to do that to help you know mum or dad maybe in cleaning up the kitchen table clearing up all those dishes but when this happens you need to be on the lookout don't you when a toddler's helping you with the dishes because you don't give the fine china to a toddler who can barely hold their teddy bear to carry across the house to the kitchen sink you don't do that when you cast your mind to the future to all of eternity whose hands would you want that in Well, David knows that for all of us, our times are in the hands of the sovereign, promise-keeping, mighty God of salvation. Not in our feeble hands, not in someone else's feeble hands, in God's. And from a place of trust in the will of this God, in whose hands lie the entirety of David's future, he calls upon his God to deliver him. And as the anointed king of Israel, the one God has promised victory to David can ask God with confidence to deliver him because God is the promise-keeping God in whom he can trust. He's the God in whose hands lie David's entire future and is a God who is faithful. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced. For with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. David is convinced that the outcome of his eternity lies in the hands of the sovereign God of all, who is his refuge. And it's to God who David turns, knowing that God will not turn away from him. He knows what awaits any who turn to God, trusting in Him, who flee to Him as refuge. But He also knows what awaits those who do not. See, either way, our our times are in God's hands. As we'll read, that can either be something that, that terrifies you, or it can be cause for great assurance and comfort, and it's all to do with where we find refuge. Point three. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. David says, How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for you, uh, for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who were true to him, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. David knows the fate of those who turn to God as their refuge. To the God who has stored up good things in abundance for us. In eternity, those who take refuge in God have safety in the very presence of God, even though others may speak against them or seek to harm them. They're safe. They're spot secure in God's dwelling, knowing that in this life, even though they might be put to death, knowing that in this life, even though their suffering and trials, even though our suffering and trials might end in death, we are kept safe in the hands of the living and promise-keeping God. And it's all to do with the King that we put our trust in. See, if we follow Jesus, we share in the fate of Jesus, our King, just as the Israelites shared in the fate of King David. And if we share in the fate of our King, then we share in his victory and his triumph over death and over sin. We share in his life, in his resurrection from the dead. We read this, in Romans 6, we read from verse 4 We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. See, those who trust in and follow Jesus share in his fate in his victory over death, his victory over sin, the thing that we had no refuge from before Jesus. But now through him we do have refuge. We do have forgiveness of sin. We have eternal life, sharing in the abundantly good things that God has set aside for his people when we go to be with him, where we will be kept safe eternally in the very presence of God himself our great refuge, the refuge from our sin, from our shame, our great refuge in suffering and in trials. And so the people of God, the people under the anointed king who God has enthroned in heaven are exhorted, love the Lord, all his faithful people, the Lord preserves those who were true to him. But the proud he pays back in full. See, in this psalm there there are two types of people, the one who calls God Refuge who trusts in him and those who are the enemies of God's king and therefore an enemy of God, the proud he pays back in full. see something that stands out in this psalm is God's dedication to justice and King David's confidence that God will bring justice. it's right there from verse one: deliver me in your righteousness in verse seventeen, let the wicked be put to shame. Verse 18, let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. In Psalm 31, David calls for God's justice to be done. Imagine that day where you stand before God and he sees everything you've ever done. He sees the way you've treated him in your heart and how you've treated others, the things you've clung to in your heart in his place. Well, we'd all stand before him guilty. Nothing we bring before God or do will stop him from looking at at us and and seeing people who deserve judgment, who deserve to just be cast out from his presence, not to be welcomed in because we chose to reject him. On that day, anything we bring before him to try to prove our worth or, or to try to pay our own debt to him, it will be like seeking refuge in a small backyard nylon tent. Nothing will give refuge from his judgment. Nothing that we can bring. But in Jesus, we we have a king who goes before us. A king who died unjustly so that the burden of guilt on our shoulders might be lifted onto his own and dealt with. So that in turning to and trusting in this king, our greatest need might be met. That we might number among the righteous, not because we are righteous, but because Jesus, our king, is. It makes us righteous as we share in his fate. As the king who defeated death rises to new life, we too have new life. The God of refuge in who we trust, keeping us forever. Nothing this world throws at us can take us away from him. He is the refuge who will not let us go. who will hold us fast if we put our trust in Jesus. See, in King Jesus, we see the fulfillment of this suffering king in Psalm 31. We see a king who confirms his great trust in a sovereign God, even in the midst of suffering. And we see a king that is delivered by a sovereign God, in whom we too can trust. And King David calls the Israelites, just as we are called, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. With our hearts fixed on an eternal home, with a future hope, And knowing the God who is our refuge, we are encouraged to take heart. Because there is nothing that can keep us from him. So where is your refuge? Let it be found in the footsteps of the king we follow and where he leads us into the arms of a loving God who will not let us go, but will hold us fast. Let me lead us in speaking to this God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are our refuge in times of trouble, in times of great need. You are our refuge uh, from judgment, Lord, that we deserve. That in your Son, Jesus, we are safe. In your your Son, Jesus, we have forgiveness of sin, eternal life. We have a hope that will never uh, let go, Lord. We have a hope that is anchored in what you have done for us through your Son on the cross. Father, we pray... Uh, that we would never let go of the refuge that we have in you. pray that you would help us be a church that points one another always towards who you are as our great God. God who we desperately need, today, tomorrow, forever. A God of grace and a God of unfailing love. We praise you, Father, for who you are. Amen.